I wasn't really focused even on work in those those first couple of months going back to work. I just was ruminating on, you know, what was happening at home, sort of what happened the night before, you know, just all those negative sort of feelings. And, you know, there'd be often times where people would sort of say to me, oh, you know, David, like try and get my attention. And I just kind of, yeah, sort of have to snap myself out of a thought and sort of try and focus again. Mm. So you just couldn't be present. I couldn't be present. That's Dave Edwards. He's a father of two who's really struggled with postnatal depression. Dave was rattled from the moment his now eight-year-old son was born. He soon developed anxiety and depression as the pressure and reality of being a father hit home. Putting on a brave face for his partner, Dave was ashamed to share how he was really feeling. He's not alone. Around 5% of new dads develop postnatal depression in their child's first year of life. You don't hear much on the topic, and that's why we're talking about it. Welcome to Young Blood, an award-winning podcast on a mission to make the mental health of young men a top priority. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is our platform to open up and share stories of what we've been through, because we're not alone. Let's do it. Before we kick this off, I just want to say thanks so much to everyone who's taken 15 to 90 seconds out of their day to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. It boosts us up the ranks massively and makes a huge difference to how many people we can reach with these potentially life-saving stories. So thank you. And for those who haven't got around to it, please, if Youngblood has delivered you some value, let us know on there. Cheers, legends. Trigger warning, if you find anything spoken about in today's episode distressing, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Dave, let's uh, start with the moment that you found out you were going to be a father. What was that like? Oh, the, certainly the moment that I knew I was going to be a father. Um, I was actually on a boys weekend at the time and I came home and my wife um, kept texting me going, you know, I need something to tell you ur- urgently. When are you going to be home? <laughs> and so, yeah, I just uh, ended that, up. That must have freaked um, you out yeah. a bit. <laughs> it, yeah, it did a little bit. I was thinking, what kind of conversation will this be? Yeah. And I got home and she's like, I'm late. And I've taken a, a test and I'm pregnant. And yeah, just that that initial shock. I was like, oh my goodness, like how long have you known? And she's like, oh, just today. Yeah, that was very surreal. Just that feeling of, oh, wow, I, I know my life is going to change. But yeah, I just wasn't expecting, I guess, that sort of news um, at that time. Were you feeling positive about it at that point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, nervous, but yeah, very positive because yeah, we had we had been trying, so it was a, uh, it was it was good. It was validating news, I guess, that you know that we were successful, I guess, and yeah, just a very proud time at that time. So yeah. And what about during the pregnancy? What was your feeling throughout that time? And and the same for your partner. It was really just a a time of going relatively smoothly for us wasn't sort of until the latter stages of the pregnancy that my wife um, started getting some kicking and some back pain Um, but the the pregnancy was pretty smooth you know I I had built up some expectations as to how things were going to happen from then onwards and looking back now I can see why I can see why I felt that way because everything leading up to the birth was pretty yeah it was pretty um, straightforward so what were your expectations? So I guess I sort of went in sort of expecting probably that without having a lot of friends, you know, my age, we were sort of the first in our friendship group to have kids. So I sort of had this sort of idea that, you know, that we'd have a natural birth and, you know, kind of like the Hollywood movies, you know, it'll all be exciting and be able to hold our 
baby together and take a selfie and, you know, be really excited. But yeah, um, and, certainly that wasn't the, the experience. And what about going further than that? What did you envision fatherhood was going to be like? I guess because I had a had a stable father growing up, I really felt like, I guess, just yeah, fulfilling that sort of loving and supportive fatherly relationship. I went into, I guess, the birth feeling quite confident given my own childhood experience. So yeah, as I said, it was a it was a fairly, I felt really confident sort of going into it and being sort of a young professional, I, I thought I could just sort of utilize that sort of confidence in, you know, providing for my partner. And I think sort of in, in those early stages, I really felt like my experience really was around just providing support to my partner. And that was kind of my role, what I felt was my role at that time. So it was soon to be challenged. Yeah. How nervous were you about the fact that your life was going to change forever? Because I haven't had a, a child myself yet, but that's that nine month period of the pregnancy, that's a long time to think about it and to have it slowly progress to that point. So in your own mind, were you thinking, I can't wait for this to happen? Or did you go through phases of thinking, um, I'm not ready for this yet? Yeah, I think for me, it was really just that experience of what do I, you know, like, uh, what do I need to know? So, you know, planning, I think it was just planning for my wife's water broke, you know, what that planned trip would be like. And I did attend antenatal classes, but yeah, it was really focused on my experience at that time was it was really focused on providing support um, to, to mums um, prior to the birth. Probably in, in during those classes, I, I guess the message I received, I don't know about the other guys in the class, but the message I received at the time was, yeah, basically, yeah, you, you've just got to be there to support your partner. So I think sort of leading up to it, because obviously I didn't have a frame of reference, didn't have any other sort of friends to kind of talk to about, I guess, that transition. I just sort of expected that I just get it. Like you, you'd yeah. sort of have that moment, you know, uh, at the birth and things would just naturally make sense um, following that time. So I think I was probably going into it in hindsight a little bit naive, but yeah, um, that was just my experience. And the attitude that fathers are sort of an afterthought and it's all about the woman giving birth and the society's attitude seems seemingly has always been that men are supposed to, as you said, just be supportive and shut up basically. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, that was the theme of the antenatal class was you know, you've got your your partner there and the, your partner's job. And I think in, in from a birth context, I think that that makes sense that you are the supporting partner. So you, you need to support your, you know, your, your birthing partner. Yeah, I think that that was kind of the, the sense that I just needed to kind of, you know, get on with things and, and just, um, yeah, just be that support. But it's sort of like the man's supposed to be that real rock and nothing's meant to phase you and stereotypically yeah. sometimes your partner's having a really hard time and you're just almost emotionless in your capacity to be able to let that be uh, water rushing over, washing over a rock and take that all on. And that's mm. actually quite a lot of pressure for men to be under, but don't you dare say that because you're not the one giving birth. And that's such a, a good point because I feel like, yeah, that was kind of my experience was I, I just didn't feel entitled, you know, like, it was my role was simple in my mind. It was simple and I just needed to kind of get on with things and um, yeah, not, not complain or whinge because in my mind, you know, my wife was going through 
such a, a physically trying and emotionally trying time that I just, I, yeah, I didn't feel like I had the um, either the permission or yeah, just yeah, just not feeling like yeah, my my perspective was as valuable, I guess. So yeah, take us through the moment that your son was born. Found out sort of ten hours after an, an intense labour that my wife um, wasn't able to uh, deliver the baby naturally. So we ended up um, going through an emergency C-section and. At that time, I remember the sort of that news, getting that news at the time, and it was just really, yeah, it was just really uh, unexpected and 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 shocking because my partner had worked so hard over ten hours to find out. Well, actually, no, th this is not the end. You know, really, this is kind of the middle uh, part of your delivery um, experience. So, um, I just remembered feeling really powerless and helpless in that time, and that sort of, in hindsight, that was really the the sort of the experience that probably first led me to feel that feeling of all well, my expectations, this hasn't gone the script, you know, and, and for me, because I felt helpless, I felt um, like I wasn't doing my job as well. And, and it was made harder because um, I felt like I was kind of um, shunted off basically once the obstetrician made the call that it was going to be delivered by C-section. It was like, well, you stand over here while we sort of, you know, we, we deal with this and, and I felt, I really did feel for my partner at the time. And in hindsight, I think that's probably when my anxiety had started to, yeah, to increase quite substantially. And so we basically got taken into, I got taken into a separate room um, to get gowned up and ready. And my partner um, was given an epidural and prepped for, um, yeah, for the, for the C-section delivery. And yeah, sort of in that time, um, it was just, yeah, really just not going to, to plan. And I was really worried, like it, the worry really started kicking and going, not only, you know, it hasn't, hasn't it gone to script, but I'm actually now worried about my partner. Um, so yeah, that sort of worry started to kick in. And basically the, the birth was my partner, you know, having a reaction to the epidural and was really just a quite a surreal experience because um, not only um, was she sort of not able to really enjoy that first moment that Bub was delivered, but it also resulted in a screaming baby um, being brought into my hands. So I, I felt so conflicted. I felt happy, but really worried and stressed at the same time. It was such a weird feeling. Just I, It was almost like an out-of-body experience. It didn't feel like it was real, you know, like uh, just what I'd sort of built up in my head process to be, it just wasn't, yeah, it didn't pan out that way. So. And did you extrapolate yeah. from that, that first moment, not going to plan, did your mind race ahead to, well, what if none of the rest of it goes to plan either? It's a great question. I think for me, it was really just a time for, I guess, taking stock. I think what I'd sort of learnt as a as a young guy was that, you know, you might be um, exposed to times of stress, but yeah, basically just to, you know, just to calm down and, you know, sort of just do your best in that moment. And, and I tried to do that, but I guess over time, um, as our baby continued to, to cry and scream um, and it was unrelenting, it was over a period of time that, yeah, I, I started wondering actually, yeah, what, uh, whether I was the father that I, I needed to be. And yeah, a lot of that sort of doubt and guilt um, started to build up progressively over, the, over the, the next few months. What was your mentality going in in those first few weeks or, or months as a dad? How did you see your role and, and what was your inner 
dialogue like with yourself around being a father? Because we had it, we ended up finding out that our bub had uh, reflux symptoms. I feel for me, it was really during that time that I ended up just feeling really, just really overwhelmed. The experience um, was compounded because we were having lots of sleepless nights. Bub was just really unsettled. You know, we'd get um, midwife support. So we had midwife support for the week in hospital and we had midwife support outside. And, you know, they would provide us with advice, but we never really felt like the advice was really uh, working. So I think, you know, I, I started to internalise at that stage and and started wondering, well, maybe they're right and I'm the problem. You know, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not being able to support my wife during, you know, these really important days um, after recovering from such an invasive surgery and yeah just started to doubt um, at that point the other thing that was compounding it too was I didn't really feel because I guess of the screaming and the unsettledness I didn't really feel like I connected with Bub um, when he first was born and that was that was challenging as well and I think a bit of a common experience that it can take longer for fathers to feel connected to their newborn than mothers just because the child so much relies on the mother in those initial stages of being alive absolutely yeah absolutely i think um i I know i know that now but yeah that i think that that was that was something that i i just assumed would would happen naturally you know we'd we'd have that that sort of hollywood image you know selfie sort of portrait when i was born and then i would just naturally learn uh, to yeah to to have that sort of connection i think for me that's what i've learned around expectations you've got to be really careful with what expectations you you sort of come into you know father fatherhood or parenthood uh with um because it's uh yeah it, it's it's you're going to be challenged so in regards to setting those expectations you mean depending on what expectations that you set you might quickly view yourself as a failure when the reality doesn't live up to that and then you reflect on yourself as being the problem yeah absolutely yeah and I, and I think just generally as guys you know that sort of sense of you know the danger that we can we can fall into when we when we sort of live by a you know she'll be right sort of attitude you know when when we often used to try and to find quick fixes and I would I would try different techniques you know try and be really confident with I'm trying to settle bub and then just finding out really quickly that those things that I thought I could handle um, just were um, in some respects out of my control. I think that that sort of led yeah, to me internalising, um, yeah, sort of, you know, that, that self-guilt. Um, and I think that that's, that's the danger is that, yeah, we can, we can internalise and, and it becomes often much, much bigger in our heads, you know, in a short space of time and, and can become quite dangerous as well. How was your partner feeling about it all from the beginning and after she recovered from the C-section? Oh, I think she was just as challenged as I was. Yeah, obviously it was something that in truth, I don't think that I spoke a lot to my partner about even her experience or how she was feeling. I think I think I was just getting frustrated because I felt like I wasn't living up to the expectations of myself and, and yeah, just wasn't perceiving that because of the, the issues we're having with Bob that, yeah, that it was my fault. So I was quite selfish in sort of my thinking as well. Yeah, I think uh, in saying that, I think that that's one of the, the, the lessons that I learned was if you're not looking after yourself, 
how can you expect to look after you after others that of course. are on you? Were you um, avoiding that communication with your wife in talking about how it was all going because you had those feelings of inadequacy and you were afraid that those conversations would lead to you having to admit that? I wanted to come with, you know, with answers and I wanted to give, you know, some answers, but I just, yeah, I didn't have the answers. And then I thought, well, you know, who are you? You know, you haven't gone through this experience. You know, you had a simple job to do. Just those really negative sort of thoughts around, well, I guess that demon on my shoulder just sort of saying to me, you know, you, you're not good enough and, and yeah, you're just, you're just struggling. So don't sort of place your issues, you know, on, on your partner because she's already going through enough and yeah. she doesn't need to hear. To yeah, so rather than talk through it with them and have that be something that would help both of you, you saw it as you'd just be burdening her further and it would yeah. be part of you failing as a man and a father to do that and so you should just internalise it and I suppose feel ashamed that you were even thinking those things or feeling those feelings at all in the first place. Absolutely. And meanwhile, your partner, how did she express the way that she was feeling? Like, could you tell that she wasn't, it wasn't living up to what her expectations were or did she seem like she was fairly happy? I think she was desperately trying to find answers. Um, I think, and one of the things I love about her is she's extremely practical. So she never sort of gives up on trying to find practical solutions to things. She was obviously struggling, but what, what I sort of in hindsight have considered is that she's probably struggling in different ways. And, and had I, I guess, been vulnerable at, um, at that time and sort of opened up to her, you know, she might have disclosed how she was feeling too. I think, I, I think that there was a little bit of a, a disconnect just because we're sort of surviving in that survival mode of just trying to get coordinate sleep for both of us just basically trying to survive without a lot of sleep so yeah what did it do getting a bit two to three i'm sorry no you're um, right we're getting about two to three yeah two to three hours um sleep a night in those right. first few months okay yeah that's yeah. not going to cut it what did yeah. that do to impact your relationship that lack of communication and the pressure that you were both feeling how did that impact your relationship with each other I think I just ended up distancing myself, you know, like I'd go, like I went back to work five weeks after and I was just, I think I had built up in my mind this, these feelings of guilt and inadequacy to the point where I wasn't really focused even on work in those, those first couple of months going back to work. I just was ruminating on, you know, what was happening at home, sort of what happened the night before, you know, just all those negative sort of feelings. And, you know, there'd be often times where people would sort of say to me, oh, you know, David, like try and get my attention. And I just kind of, yeah, sort of have to snap myself out of a thought and sort of and try and focus again. Yeah. So you just couldn't and, be present. Um, I couldn't be present. Yeah. And, and I did, I felt like um, going back to work, I was being sort of teared away from being in a position where I potentially could help the situation at home. And, and then sort of on the, on the other side of it, at the end of the day, I would be really nervous about going home yeah. because I didn't know, you know, what I'd be going home to and whether I could cope with it. And there'd be a number of times where I'd just sit in the car, like I'd, I'd catch the train into work and I'd, I'd sort of get back to the, to the car, you know, after the train commute. And I just sit in the car and just think, what am I going to do? And and I think, had I known that there were, you know, services like the Gidget Foundation, I think 
I would have I wouldn't have hesitated, you know, contacting them. I think at those in those early days, I didn't realize that there were services for dads, you know, let alone postnatal um, depression anxiety services. You know, I think that that's something that I would encourage, you know, dads, you know, listening to the podcast, watching the podcast. There are heaps of services available. You just need to to be brave and and you know seek the help. Because that's a big contributing factor with this. You really do feel like you're the only one going through that and that if you were to bring it up to anyone else they would say that you're the problem as you had already internalized and and figured out in your own mind so but the the reality is that five percent of new fathers in australia actually go through uh, postnatal depression so that's quite a lot of people if you actually add up the numbers but we have we, we hear very little talk about it. So obviously it's natural for people to not see other examples of other men speaking about this and therefore think that it's just them and that they should be ashamed of that. Something must be wrong with them. How did it progress from there when you were at work and you felt like you should have been at home more, but then you didn't want to be at home more either because you were afraid of that and how you felt within that environment? Once you're carrying those feelings around and those thoughts in your mind, it's going to show in your actions and your behavior and the, the yeah. environment that's created. So how did that progress? I think that was really, you know, when the anxiety and the depression really kicked in. I wasn't enjoying a lot in, in my life. Um, I was feeling, you know, just feelings of, of, of dread and just heightened anxiety and just guilt and maybe a little bit of shame and I know how dangerous shame can be but yeah I, I think it just sort of escalated quite quickly there was one night in particular a few months into our post birth that I thought I'd uh, actually settled up down to sleep and I was quite elated that I had sort of had uh, um, achieved that uh, milestone because it was just so incredibly hard to settle bub without settling it via my wife, you know, through feeding. So yeah. And, and I, I placed bub down and then, and then within five minutes, he was just screaming his head off. I just walked in to the room and I was just in a fit of rage and I picked him up and tried to, you know, settle him again. And then I held him out and um, screamed my head off it in and sorry it's it is hard to talk about because it was an out-of-body experience uh, sort of I remember sort of hearing overhearing you know a dog bark and neighbors you know I could hear some murmurings as well so I must have screamed pretty loud and it was so out of character because I'm a pretty laid-back sort of guy yeah um, and it really was a sort of an out-of-body experience and I think why I find it still quite hard to talk about as well is that I could have done anything in that moment, you know. I think there's there's so many different scenarios that could have played out, and I'm just so grateful that I, I I've, you know, I, I've still got my family together. You know, I, I didn't take any actions that you know would result in that relationship, you know, ending. So for me, that was the 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 turning point. My my partner basically rushed into the room, took the baby from me and yeah i just basically went into the lounge room and just sat you know with my um with my face in my hands and yeah just feeling really really distraught and yeah i think at that point that was the time that then i started to talk to my partner about how i was feeling and it really was the turning point for me so i just found it amazing that 
when you're actually really truthful and honest, you know, with um, with those that you love and, and obviously that you feel comfortable talking to, those kind of shame gremlins, you know, those, you know, those, just those negative thoughts, they really don't have any sort of space to breed. Um, and yeah, I, I, I found that for me, that was the turning point and I acknowledged, you know, to my partner that I needed to, yeah, that I needed to um, seek help. I went to see a, a GP, you know, after that time and spoke about how I was feeling and they said, oh, you know, I think they did like a questionnaire thing with me and said, based on your, you know, what you've told me, it sounds like you, you had postnatal depression and anxiety. And did you know that this has, you know, that, that, that fathers actually do experience this just like mothers do? Yeah, that was an eye opener because I really felt like postnatal depression, anxiety was, was a mum's thing. I, yeah, I didn't sort of, again, feel like I was entitled to, you know, to be reflecting on my mental health decline because you know I, I didn't feel like it was it was something that was supposed to impact me and and really at that time having that validation I think was really really helpful because it allowed me to yeah to, to implement some strategies to help help me yeah cope better and I'm so grateful I was able to come out that other end because you know today I'm the father that I've always wanted to be yeah I, I think certainly that journey having gone through that time uh, I've learned a lot, but I've also learned that it's really important to get help when you need it. Even if you're, you know, you, you're in doubt, you know, you might not have a diagnosis as such, but just reaching out and and um, tapping into those support networks is so incredibly important. Absolutely. And how did your partner respond when you finally did share the feelings that you were having? What kind of reaction did you actually get from her and how did that compare to what you thought you would get in your mind? I was really in total admiration. And I think that this is a learning lesson for us guys is I think sometimes, yeah, we, we just go, you know, let's get on with it. But I think our partners do, you know, they do want to know what's going on. You know, they, they do want to know what we're feeling, especially when we're, when we're, we're not feeling, you know, well, she was really um, supportive and yeah, she remains supportive to this day. We obviously we have, you know, our, Children are older now, but, you know, six and six and eight. But, um, yeah, but we've really sort of built, I guess, a foundation of sort of talking through those experiences. And I've learned that, you know, through that experience, that sort of seeking seeking support with the, with the person that you're doing the journey with is um, so important. Um, as I said earlier, you know, learning also about what they might be going through themselves as well. So I'm so glad that I reached out when I did. Obviously, it would have been better, much better to do it much earlier I'm, I'm really pleased that yeah that she was really open and supportive of yeah of how i guess where i was where i was at and she even said to me at the time she said well you know i need to know i need to know that you're you're well and i need you to take some steps to look after yourself you're a really important part of this family and i think i think that that's yeah that sort of message is really important is you know it, it you know not only takes a family to raise children but it takes a village and yeah I think it is I think it's really important you know to to sort of take that philosophy of no man is an island uh, because you know when it comes to kids they will find they'll, they'll tap into all those insecurities and I think having gone through the experience I feel like I was kind of born again in a sense with my infant and I think that that's kind of where I really started to, to build that bond was 
we were kind of in the soup together and we were just, you know, sort of doing life together. And I think it really changed my perspective around the, the fact that I didn't need to have answers per se myself. There were supports out there. I just needed to learn how to cope in this new relationship dynamic. And I sort of tapped into a lot of things like, you know, listening to calming music. Like I'd, I'd have my headphones in as I was kind of going through those screaming sessions at night and, you know, just small things that can really just help calm, you know, calm that anxiety and get you into a much more mindful headspace, I think is, um, is really helpful too. And at what point did you really start to feel connected to your son and like you'd turned a corner in that respect? So I think for me, when I started to realise that I could spend, you know, an hour and a half, two and a half hours, like sometimes the settling sessions were so long, but because I'd kind of gone into those settling sessions with the right attitude, um, and I know a lot of parents have got reflux, um, kids with reflux symptoms, I've learnt a lot of stories from talking to other guys about their experiences, and I know that there's some some families that do it really, really tough in that space. I think for me, the bond started when my attitude shifted to what was me to how can we soothe each other basically and, and being really sort of present, you know, with how Bub was reacting. And yeah, I think just being really in tune with Bub's uh, responses to different settling techniques as well. And sometimes I just um, learned just to persist. I think that that's probably one of the most valuable lessons is you know, just because, you know, you might have a, a timeline that you're trying to meet, you know, to, to juggle life, an infant doesn't, you know, and, and they often do demand um, from you, it, you're all, you know, and sometimes I think the key to settling is actually meeting them on that level and actually going, you know what, I'm going to stay here, you know, we're going to stick tight together until, you know, until you're feeling really relaxed. If you settle the baby and then the baby cries, it doesn't mean you're a failure as a father, you know, perhaps not taking that so personally. And like you said, yeah. persisting in trying again and not saying, ah, oh, this has happened again. This always happens. Therefore I'm incapable of doing it. Therefore I'm incapable as a father and going down that thread and catastrophizing to that extent where it blows up into this massive thing in your mind. And I think it's interesting hearing your story very much nothing really changed in the external. It was your attitude shifting and that was only allowed to happen by you validating your feelings in the first place and saying, I am feeling like this and then being able to share that. And then that allowed you to start to reframe your attitude around that. And that was really what changed. It wasn't like something all that different happened outside of what was going on in your own mind, which I suppose is quite empowering for people because we can look at ourselves and reflect and say, I actually have quite a bit of control here, but it's not easy to just switch that on. Like someone couldn't have said to you, oh, you just change your headset or you're just not looking at it the right way, which was would have been kind of true, but you have to get to that point yourself and go through experiencing those feelings and then be able to open up and go on that journey on your own. But I think other fathers hear, hearing your story, they can reflect on what you've said and, and those thoughts and look at themselves and say, how much am I thinking these same things and how might I be able to react and act differently? And then that would at least help to start that process. I'm also interested, there was a point in which you uh, decided to have a second child, obviously. So were you guys feeling very different by that point, two years later, that you wanted to then have another child? 
We were apprehensive, but also confident. I think that first journey um, really sort of taught us a lot about vulnerability and and sort of embracing, you know, embracing, you know, the cards that you dealt with, not have, you know, not trying to, you know, have a fixed mindset, you know, trying to reduce your expectations and and sort of go with the flow. And it was so important because um, our second child had worse reflux than our first. So I think it was, it was, you know, it was a divine way of, you know, teaching us that, hey, you know, these, this journey and the skills that you've developed, you know, um, first time around, you're going to need them, you know, uh, again, second time around. So I think, you know, from that perspective, yes, it was really, really hard, but because certainly for me, you know, emotionally, you know, psychologically, I was much sort of better prepared in, in sort of navigating um, that sort of uncertain world with the screaming and, and the unsettlement. So, and, and I knew, I knew that I had this confidence that I had some, some techniques and some coping strategies for myself um, that I could utilize. And, and I did, I found the bonding with our second so much faster as well. So yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely challenging. Um, our, our infant journey um, with our children was, was challenging, but yeah, I'm, um, really pleased, as I said before, uh, of the journey that I've gone through personally, because I feel like I'm a stronger man. I'm the father that I've always wanted to be as well. So, You went from being someone who felt the way you felt having one child to then having two children in the house, but felt a whole lot better about the whole situation, which I imagine you couldn't have thought possible earlier. Like when you only had one child, the thought of having two would have been enough to break you but actually after that time passed and things changed and your attitude changed that became very different so if you're feeling if you currently have one child and you're experiencing postnatal depression or you're struggling and you think oh, imagine having two or this isn't ever going to get better that's not the case absolutely i think that that's such a key message and a great point callum is that i think that there is a there is that sense, you know, uh, that it, it can be, it can be really overwhelming and you can question, you know, whether you've got the coping uh, strategies, but I find as human beings, you know, like we're su such a resilient, you know, we're, we're such a resilient being really. And I think we can always, we can deal with stuff. Often we need to recognize that we do need supports. There's no, there's no shame in, in, in asking for help because you know it's as i said before you know often takes a village to raise children and and you know i'm so grateful because you know i've got you know friends and family that we can call on as well you know even if i i didn't you know like the services that gidget foundation provide the telehealth services the panda provide like they're just su such incredible you know extra support for you know for for when you're just feeling overwhelmed and need some guidance um and often Often some there's some really good help out there. Like I, I started um, a, a reflux dads group, you know, not too too long after the birth of our second, because I was interested. I was interested to see whether there are other dads had that had experienced the same things. And what I sort of learned in those peer peer groups, and I know Gidget provide a Gidget virtual village for dads as well through Facebook. So um, no sort of face to face meetings, but you know what I found with that experience was you're not alone. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've learned is while I was thinking or, you know, for, for that time after the birth of our first that I was alone and, you know, no one else, you know, would fail this badly. 
you know, I've learned, you know, that it is quite common. And as you said, you know, the statistics, you know, show that it's quite common. So, you know, I think that, you know, certainly from my experience is that, you know, the key message is that you're not alone. And I guess from that experience, you you have the opportunity, I guess, to, to seek support. Every Everyone's situation will be different, but I think um, certainly from my experience, there's a lot of common themes sharing your stories. And as I said, you know, the power of sharing the story is really, is really helpful. It's quite therapeutic as well. So. And a reason for men to reach out and seek that support is actually it will deliver the result that you're after because in your case, you're worried about failing as a man, not being able to be an effective partner and father, and actually not reaching out for help, not being vulnerable, not talking about it, is resulting in exactly what you don't want to happen. And the, the way to move forward is to actually speak about those things, and that's going to, in a practical sense, allow you to function a lot more effectively, which men love. We want to function as effectively as possible, and we're embarrassed when we feel like we're not. And the way out of that is actually to confront that and say, I can't do this all on my own. And you should do that for you and for your family because you're going to be much more useful if you're able to accept that, bite the bullet, and then talk about it, even though that feels really uncomfortable. Absolutely. Yeah. How do you feel about being a dad now that your children are older? Oh, I, I'm so proud of them. You know, just seeing these lives develop you know, seeing them hit milestones, you know, with their education and their, you know, their social social skill development, their, you know, physical coordination. It's just, you feel like you're just so blessed, you know, to have these little little humans growing up. And and I, I still feel like, you know, myself, I'm, I'm growing up still, you know, so it's such an honour to, you know, to be able to, you know, to, to parent these little ones, um, grow up to you know, be the adults, you know, that you want them to be. There's just no better feeling than, yeah, than sort of um, celebrating, you know, the, the birthdays and their little achievements at school. And yeah, it's just, it's such a rewarding experience. Well, I think to hear f- from where you've come from to where you are now and how big of a change there's been in that time and how blessed you feel now and how happy you are about your current reality is very reassuring for any other young dads that are watching this or listening to this and to see that, yeah, things can change in a quite a significant way and you just need to perhaps think a bit differently and, and go about it a bit differently if it's not working the way that you have been doing things this far and you're, you're a really good example that it can get better uh, and thank you for wanting to come on and share that and, and let other people know that because it's something that's just not talked about very much but it is affecting a lot of people so it takes people to step up and let let it, let each other know that this stuff's normal and there's a way through it. So thank you. My pleasure, Callum. Yeah, I think it's really, it's just, I think that that's a, a key message is, you know, is, yeah, that, that it will get better. And I mean, you know, the, the postnatal depression, anxiety um, specialists in this area, experts in this area will, will say that it, it's, it is a temporary condition. So, you know, recovery uh, is inevitable, but you just need to you need to seek the right supports. And yeah, I think that I just got a lot of value, a lot of value in the peer support uh, group space, and you know, just uh, talking to other guys, you know, about the experience. I think it's it's just really really helpful.
That's it for this episode. If you're getting some value out of the show, please help us out with a quick rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Everything we do is recorded in video, so follow Youngblood Men's Mental Health on Instagram and Facebook and Youngblood Mental Health on TikTok. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and please leave us a comment or send us a message if these stories resonate. We'd love to hear from you. You can sign up to our e-news through our website, youngbloodmedia.com.au. And most importantly, please share the podcast with anyone in your life who might need it. We're all about reaching as many people as we can. This is Youngblood. Thanks for being part of the mission. Catch you next time.